brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, at least as far as when I looked it up last, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. There's special providence in the fall of a sparrow. <laughs> okay. And guess what, guys? It's your job to look that up and tell me where it's from. Ooh, special listener challenge. Yeah, it's it's easy enough. Um, so we're going to talk about conducting research online. Yes. How to use online tools to research. Because uh, a lot of you out there are in uh, middle school and high school. We get emails from you all the time. And first of all, shout out to all of the, you guys. You guys are awesome. And uh, keep up the great work, uh, especially listening to wonderful podcasts like ours. But... <laughs> Beyond that, uh, we've also received email from others who have asked us about uh, research techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, see, uh, oh, is it Anne-Marie, right? Yes. Anne-Marie. I, see, I didn't write your name down, Anne-Marie. I apologize. Anne-Marie has written to us on a couple of occasions asking if we might address research techniques and citations, things like that. Well, really, the whole citations element is kind of outside the scope of tech stuff. Mm-hmm. But we can certainly um, address how to conduct research online and how to get the best information for whatever it is that you're searching for, um, because a lot of us are just simply using Google in the most basic way and not getting the best information. Uh, Google's doing a lot behind the scenes to try and give us the best information based upon what we tell Google we want to see, but sometimes it has to make guesses. <laughs> sometimes the keywords we throw in there are just a mishmash, and Google's like, well, I'll give you this. I think it's what you want. But uh, there are ways where you can you can refine your search, whether you're using Google or some other search method, some mm-hmm. other search engine. I, I use Google because it's almost become like Xerox or Kleenex, the universal term. But I, I do realize that people use other search engines. Um, there are techniques you can use to get the best information possible. Yes. Um, actually, I, I would recommend this really groovy article on HowStuffWorks.com about the Google algorithm and what makes it so special. Yeah. I was written by... Uh, who was that? It was a hack. Some guy. Strickland. Uh, anyway. Stricker. But yeah, if, you, if you're really interested in, in knowing how Google specifically works, because Google sort of revolutionized the search industry online. I mean, for many years when Yahoo was doing it, everybody loved Yahoo, but they were doing it by hand. Yeah. Uh, which is actually a very effective way to do it. Except in that it requires a lot of people and a lot of time to do that, which um, and of course, as more people joined yeah. the internet, more content was created on the internet, meaning more content had to be sorted through. Yeah. So it becomes a losing game eventually. Because yeah. unless you have hired everyone on the planet to also help uh, categorize and rank information, uh, you just can't keep up with the amount of info that's out there. Mm-hmm. So Google's algorithm helped automate that, so you didn't have to worry about doing it by hand. Yes, but I know you did want to to speak on a specific tactic if you want to use Google more effectively. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Boolean logic. Okay, that's named after George Boole. Yes. And Boolean logic is a fairly complex uh, concept, but... It's a it's a mathematical uh, concept. Right. It's a, way, a it's a way of using operators to... Uh, 
to, to make an argument or search for information, as it turns out, because a lot of search engines are very uh, good at, at uh, incorporating Boolean logic. Yes. So Not all of them. Not all of them. And some of them have a specific advanced search function that makes this even easier. But we're going to go through the basic operators and what they do and, and what they mean within most search engines. And then we'll talk a little bit maybe about advanced search options. And then we'll go into more detail about other other things online that you can use for, uh, for research. So the basic operators in Boolean logic, as far as it pertains to search, are and, or, and not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll start with or. Okay. Now, or helps you increase your your range of searches. Mm-hmm. You know, your search results. You're going to get a wider range of search results using or as an operator, and this lets you search for two terms. Usually, you're using two terms that are kind of interchangeable or mean more or less the same thing. Um, and you use that to try and uh, uh, get a wider net of results. So you might say uh, dogs or canines mm-hmm. in your search. And then you're going to get search results that have the keyword dogs or canines featured in them in some way. Because some results may use one term and the others may use another. And you want to be able to see everything that's out there. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get more results that way than if you search for just dogs or just canines. That's correct. Um, now, if you use and, you might think, oh, well, doesn't that do the same thing? Actually, no. no. And narrows your search. Mm-hmm. Because with and, it's going to look for search results that have both terms. And when I say both, you should keep in mind, this is not limited to just two search terms. Technically, you can throw in as many search terms as you want, and uh it, it just is going to con- continually narrow your field of search. Mm-hmm. So in this case, you may want to look for, let's let's say uh, you're searching for horror and science fiction. Mm-hmm. You're only going to get results that have both of those terms in them. Right. Now, if you'd use horror or science fiction, you would get all of them that had either or both of those terms. Mm-hmm. So and narrows your search. Uh, this can be really f- helpful if you're looking for specific news about a particular topic. So if you did Gulf of Mexico and oil spill and solutions, mm-hmm. that would help you narrow your search to potential solutions to fix the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Right. Theoretically, anyway. Right. Um, and then there you'd is... Think, you'd think the company would have looked those up. Yeah. Oh, there it is. It's on Google. Oh, we're going to get mail. I'm kidding. BP, please don't send your goons after us. Notice um, I didn't say who it was. Son of a... <laughs> so anyway, let's get to the third one. <clears throat> not. Now, not helps you get search results for one term and excludes results that contain uh, a specific related term. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you want to do a research on, on mice, but not you don't want anything to do about rats. So you could do a search for mice, not rats, and you would only get search results that talked about mice. If rats were mentioned in the ser- in the in the uh, in the page, it would be excluded from the search results. Right. So again, it's another way to narrow your search so that you don't uh, get information that is not relevant to what you need. Mm-hmm. Now, advanced search options usually make this easier because I mean you can type these things in. Actually, and you usually don't need to type in at all. 
that's understood. If you just do a string of keywords in your search, it's a, a, the search engine generally assumes that you mean and. Yes, but when you're using the Boolean operators, um, if you really specifically want to use them, you do need to put them in all caps. Yes, that's a because, good point. Because that's that's the thing that tells it, oh, you specifically want these things. And if you're looking for a specific ser- search string, which includes things, uh, words that would normally be discarded, called stop words, things like and and the, um, yeah. because it's looking for the big words in the title, the things that are, are unique. And those words, those stop words, are so common that Google it, It's tends, meaningless to do a search for them. Yes. You could you know, do a search for the. Yeah. Um, but Google just says everything. Yes. <laughs> but uh, if you will allow me to, to uh, bore everyone, but probably the uh, educators and library geeks among you, since I just got my degree and I want to use it for something, um, we're talking about two things here called precision and recall. Um, these things are inversely proportional. So the more precise your search results are, the le- the fewer of them you're going to get, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, or increases your recall. So you're going to get lots and lots and lots of stuff, but you're not going to have very precise results. If you want precision, you need to narrow it down um, using and 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 you know to some degree not or yeah. Um, wait, not yes. Okay. Um, so just keep in mind what you're trying to do and. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, when they are looking for information, kind of like poking around. You know, the serendipity search. What am I going to find when I do this? But if you're in a hurry, Boolean operators can really be your friend. Yeah, and as as I was saying earlier about advanced search options, these usually, if you if you choose the advanced search option on a on a search engine, and I'm going to stick with Google because that's just sure. an, well, it's a, it's a popular one. It's easy to talk about. Um, it usually opens up a a uh, a new screen with additional options for search. Mm-hmm. So it'll have one field where you can type in all the keywords that you want that uh, you that should appear in the search result. Mm-hmm. It may have a separate field for any keywords that you do not want to be in your search result. So that would be the the not feature. The mm-hmm. first one was the and. The other one, or actually, I guess the first one. Yes, the first one is the and because all of them do appear. They also have uh, ones where you can say this or that. You know, anything that has this or that should come back to me. Um, so it it incorporates the Boolean logic in actual little fields that you fill out. So you don't have to remember the operators or or type them in or anything because you mm-hmm. just type this. You type the right keywords in the right fields and it does it for you. But it also gives you other options. Uh, for example, you can search for exact phrasing, which you can actually do in a regular search engine. You just mm-hmm. have to know to put it into quotation marks. Yes. Like anything within quotation marks, the search engine interprets that as look for this specific sequence of words. Mm-hmm. So nuclear radiation, for example, if you put that within quotation marks, it would look for search results that use the phrase nuclear radiation, mm-hmm. which theoretically would get you closer to the results you need because you know you don't want articles just on radiation in general because not all radiation is nuclear 
Right. So, you know, this would help you narrow that search. Again, it's another way of narrowing. But it can also do things like Google's will allow you to uh, search for specific file types. So if you're looking for, like, you know that you saw an article online once and it was in PDF format, but you can't quite remember, you know, you can narrow your search that way Mm -hmm. and say just PDFs. And Google will look for just PDFs online. Um, That's just one example, obviously. Uh, It allows you to search within a domain. You can also do this in the general search bar if you know the right uh, trick, which is really just typing uh, site, uh, S-I-T-E, colon, and then the address of the, or the domain of the site that you're searching, and then whatever your search terms are. That will do, perform a Google search within a specific domain. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you happen to know that the information that you're looking for was in an article that appeared on uh, the register. Mm-hmm. You could you could use the, that to specify the search. So that way it doesn't look anywhere else for this information. You're not going to get any irrelevant results from other sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can definitely be a time saver. <laughs> it's really helped me out many, many times. You can even do that on um, on. Parts of the site, if you happen to know, yes. if it's if it's divided. For example, if you were looking on HowStuffWorks.com for um, just to stick with name recognition, if we have a number of, of articles on Google, yes, um, and most of those are in the computer channel. So right. it's computer.howstuffworks.com instead of www.howstuffworks.com. But let's say you were interested in finding a video. You could do site colon videos dot dot com and see and and then put a space in there and type Google and it'll, if you it, it should return the results. just the the results from that video channel and of course it's going to depend on the information architecture of the site and whether or not that's possible right but uh, for example you know I, that's why I picked howstuffworks.com because I know it works with our site and it's easier to find articles if you happen to know um, but it also sort of depends on how well you know this site that you're searching yeah and and the advanced search also allows you to do other things like you can search within a range of dates so you can look mm-hmm. for information that was that you know was up, uploaded at a specific time. Um, if you know something like maybe it's an article that appeared last spring, then you can put in a range of dates. So, again, you're excluding anything that falls outside that range. You don't have to worry about sorting through other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even search for uh, results based on the usage rights. Now, granted, this is going to depend mainly upon the metadata mm-hmm. that uh, is in the, the web page. This is something that the administrator of that web page has to include so that Google can uh, can identify it because Google's not quite smart enough yet <laughs> to know the usage rights of every single web page that's out there. Right. Because um, in some cases it may not even be explicitly stated. Sure. Uh, then, uh, you know, you can even uh, specify where on the web page the keywords should appear, mm-hmm. which allows you to search. Let's say that you want to search for articles that are about a specific topic, but you don't want to get back articles that just kind of have a little aside about that topic. You can actually have it so that it, uh, it's only the, the the pages that have the, the keywords within the page title, mm-hmm. which theoretically should get you results that are more relevant to your search. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, advanced search is a huge boon. I mean, that's that alone, before we even get into anything more specific, will really help, help you narrow down your searches so that you can get at relevant information quickly. Now, again, Google does a pretty good job at, at uh, having the relevant search, most relevant things to your keywords at any rate, 
appear at the top of the list. So you normally don't have to dig down too far. Um, it's not always the case, but they do a pretty good job of it. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Chris got all well, choked up. Yes, I did. Uh, it's just, you know, you I sit just there this topic. talk about the search topics. Um, actually, that's a good point, Jonathan, because um, I, I was just going to mention that. Uh, you might look at, uh, if you've ever played around, especially right after Bing came out, yeah. my, Microsoft launched Bing, people were playing around with it to see how the results compared to Google. And you can put in the same topic on a Bing search and a, and a Google search, and they're going to turn up probably some of the same results on the first page, but mm-hmm. not necessarily all of them. They might be ranked differently. Um, if you are a fan of one or the other, you might go, well, my, my favorite is the best. Well, maybe not necessarily. It sort of depends on the topic. And one way to, to sort of get everybody together um, is to use a meta search engine, something like Dogpile or, yeah. um, or Surfwax, for example, surfwax.com. And uh, both of these use search multiple search engines at the same time. Right. So it will look for the topic you request on Google and Bing and Yahoo and Ask.com and possibly even Excite and Lycos and some of the others that have been around for a long time that use different methods to rank pages. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people really, really like the meta search engines. I know that that uh, some of the people here at HowStuffWorks.com are are really fond of uh, of a couple of them because they're not. Uh, they give you sort of a more in depth look at how the different sites rank the articles, and it's possible that using a different search engine might give you better results for any particular topic. Right. So you might use Google for one search and Bing for a different search or ask.com for a different search, just depending on the results, because one, you may be looking for something particular that you know one search engine turns up and the other does not. Especially when you consider that the algorithms these different search engines use, can uh, that can determine what results you get on one day to the next. Mm-hmm. You could do the exact same Google search or search on Bing or any other real search engine that relies upon an algorithm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do that search on various dates and get completely different results based upon how those pages rank uh, due to the algorithm. Mm-hmm. So now some are going to change less frequently than others. Yes. Uh, some you may do the search and then it'll look the exact same way six months from now. But others like, you know, Google definitely does change over time. If you do the same search result or same search, I'm sorry, keywords, um, you'll get different results sometimes from one day to the next, mm-hmm. sometimes one morning to one afternoon. Um, it kind of depends upon the topic and whether or not, if, especially since Google will search across multiple uh, uh, features like there's Google News where you'll get sure. the latest articles. That's obviously going to change pretty rapidly compared to the more static web pages that are about a general topic. Right. I mean, a lot of people uh, noticed a couple months ago when Google changed the the search results page. Yeah. Because down the left side of the bar now you've got you know everything news, images, books, blogs, shopping, and all those other topics, and people either loved it or hated it. Um, I'm one of the people who happens to like it, actually. Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's a different... Basically, they're grouping... They're sort of breaking it down for you right. into commonly searched topics, like yeah. images. And you can think of like the general search as potpourri. Mm-hmm. It's everything. But you can break it down into to smaller groups. Uh, mm-hmm. and another one that would might be of particular help to students is Google Scholar. Yes. Which allows you to search scholarly articles, uh, journals, 
Um, it allows you to look at patents uh, and even legal opinions if you if you want to enable that. You can and you can choose which options to enable and which ones to leave out. So if you don't want any results that have to do with patents, you can click a little uh, checkbox and it will leave those results out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can definitely help you find specific scholarly uh, articles about subjects. Now, I should hasten to add, that does not necessarily mean that you'll be able to go to a link and read the article in full. Many of these journals are online, have an online journal where you have to have a subscription in order to access that journal. So mm-hmm. it may be that you'll be able to read an excerpt, but you won't get the full article. In order to do that, you'll need some other tool. A lot of schools um, and a lot of library systems have a database or a, uh, a search engine that's similar in style to Google, but specifically for this kind of thing where you do get access to the full articles. Um, Depending on who designed that system, it may or may not be as user friendly as mm-hmm. your as your general search engine. Uh, but you may need access to something like that. Now, a lot of school systems do have this, uh, so it's good to to find out if yours does um, and and make use of it. Uh, we mentioned in a previous podcast about education and technology that in Georgia we have a system called Galileo, and in uh, Galileo we can search these scholarly articles and get access to the full article without having a, a specific um, uh, subscription to that particular publication. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's really helpful. Now, granted, even then you're going to be limited by whatever range of journals that particular service has access to. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily going to have access to every single journal that is out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that can sometimes pick up the slack that, uh, that Google will leave because I mean, Google has no control over what the actual content is on these pages. And in some cases, like I said, it may just be an excerpt, which can give you some helpful like guidance, but it's not going to give you the information you necessarily need for an academic paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of things that I think we should address, too, now that we're getting uh, into the more mature part of our podcast. Right. So <laughs> let's uh, get that Barry White music in here. No, no, no. Oh, wait, not that kind of mature? I, I, I was sort of u- using that as a euphemism as saying uh, we're slowly running out of time and probably should address some other things. Oh, gotcha. So it's not uh, podcast MA. Right. All right, go. Um, one of the things that I think we should address is quality of resources. Yes. Actually, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was primary versus secondary. Yes. Yes. What I was basically getting into was, um, you know, as we uh, have mentioned many, many times in the podcast, especially during the education series, we do have a lot of uh, listeners who are still in school. And I want to stress to all of you that not everything you read on the Internet is accurate. Or true. Or or unbiased. Yes. You have to keep in mind where the information is coming from, who it's coming from, and whether or not things may have been biased. For example, maybe you're reading something that from a source that you do trust pretty well, and they say that uh, a study financed by you know the Acme Soup Corporation says that soup is beneficial to your eyesight. And you're going, okay, well, that's great. Apparently, soup is beneficial to your eyesight. But then you think about it, wait a minute, the people funding the study... Have a Where's have a soup company. They 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 see a direct benefit from the increase of soup consumption. The, exactly. So I mean, it, it may even be from a reasonably trusted resource, and uh, maybe it came from a press release from the company, and perhaps it's true. But they do have a reason for people to spread the good news about soup. Now there does come a point where you eventually have to take that leap 
and yeah. and say that whoever it is that did that provided this information did so in good faith mm-hmm. and without bias, um, because ultimately all these when we think of scientific research and or research in general really the money to fund that research has to come from somewhere sure and if you play the money tracing game to uh, to ludicrous levels. It's going to seem like nothing out there is reliable. Sure. Uh, but there are some cases where this is far more obvious than others, mm-hmm. where you're saying, okay, well, this this particular study is suspect because it's directly funded by this company that has a vested interest. And the results of the study seem to favor that company. Uh, that would be enough to maybe give you pause to say, maybe I need to find another study, mm-hmm. not necessarily say that this one's wrong out of hand, but at least find some other um, research out there mm-hmm. that either corroborates or refutes the evidence of that particular study before just leaping on and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to use as a source on my paper. Yeah. Um, but I was going to, I did mention primary versus secondary sources. Yeah. Some of you may not really know what that means. Uh, we talked about a little bit in our, our wikis episode because we talked about how Wikipedia is not a, supposed to be used as a primary source. Mm-hmm. Primary source is essentially it's the originator of any particular data. It's the or, original source of some form of information. So a primary source could include a scientific report that summarizes a specific experiment. Mm-hmm. That would be a good primary source. So that's a direct communication from the people who conducted the study to the people who are interested in reading about it. Now, a secondary source is kind of an intermediary. That's that's a, a source that's reporting or uh, relaying that information but is not directly responsible for creating that information. Mm-hmm. So uh, Scientific American could be a good example here. Uh, they do some excellent articles, mm-hmm. but it, it's reporting, you know, most of the articles in Scientific American would be something where it's reporting on a study. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to uh, report the the results in a way that is um, easily understandable by the readership of Scientific American. Mm-hmm. So... It's still a secondary source. If you want, if you want to cite a primary source, you need to actually go to the study that's mentioned in the secondary source and read it yourself. Because whether we mean to or not, we have to filter information through our own, uh, you know, our own experiences and our own understanding, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're wrong because humans often are. True. And so it's possible that a secondary source even though they're trying to report on a primary source accurately, could be inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, they, just in the, the sense of trying to summarize a report, uh, you could end up being inaccurate. Yes. And this happens all the time mm-hmm. without bias. And yes. Now, it can happen with bias, too, but it, it happens innocently all the time because it is really hard sometimes to summarize what a specific... Uh, uh, scientific study is all about in a thousand words in a way that's understandable to your audience. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to try and go back to primary sources so that you can see what was actually said about the study. And here's something else I think now would be a good time to bring it up because we're running out of time. Yep. Uh, And that is don't copy and paste stuff that you read on the Internet or anywhere else for that matter. Yeah, plagiarism is bad. Plagiarism is bad. That's called plagiarism, uh, as you may have guessed. 
And uh, that's the thing. If you find some useful information in a journal, uh, say a peer-reviewed journal science, um, you want to use that in your, your report. Well, that's great. You can, but you need to give credit where credit is due. Copying somebody else's words verbatim, even a couple of them, Mm-hmm. That's plagiarism. And you yeah. can even plagiarize yourself. If you have written a paper and you go, oh, man, I did this paper last year, and I, I, I totally – this paragraph would be perfect for this new paper. No. That's plagiarizing yourself. Yeah. It has to be original. You can use it, but give credit to the person who, who wrote it. And that's what the value of the pro- primary source, too. Right. And the flip side of that coin is that uh, you can't – in most academic papers, you can't uh, necessarily – you can't just – say that this is common understanding, like mm-hmm. any particular piece of information, um, you have to be able to back up that information by providing a source that 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 gives you the foundation to make that statement. This doesn't mean that you can't draw your own conclusions from that information, but you can't just take something for granted and say, uh, this is true. You know, you have to be able to back that up. This is why if you go to a site like Wikipedia, mm-hmm. um, you'll see often in these articles, you'll see something like citation needed. Mm-hmm. It's because it, Wikipedia is very focused on trying to present the best information possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, it's it's a work in progress and it always will be just based upon the nature of that tool. Mm-hmm. And citation needed just means that there needs to be a foundation to support the statement that was made in that article. And without a foundation, you can't really make that statement. Yeah. Because it could not it might not be true. You say soylent green is people, but we need proof. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it varies from person to person. <laughs> anyway, so uh, – and you, we did say this in another podcast about Wikipedia and using Wikipedia as a source and why a lot of uh, teachers frown on that. Mm-hmm. And again, part of that is because it's all secondary. Wikipedia, yeah. by its nature, says it cannot be used as a primary source. So if you conduct a scientific um, study, you can't use Wikipedia to publish your findings. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what it's for. So Wikipedia is not necessarily a bad tool. It can definitely give you an understanding of a subject. But the best thing you can do is, once you get that understanding, dive down and find those primary sources. Because Wikipedia is really just... It's just a, a tool to get you started. Yeah. And, I mean, th- a lot of people thought we were uh, are picking on Wikipedia. But it's the idea behind it is great, you know, being able to uh, to contribute to uh, scholarly research and, and, and getting an idea for uh, what's going on with a particular topic. But the fact of the matter is, you know, things change over time. People can go in and mess with it just because they want to. Yeah, it doesn't happen so, often, but it does happen. And, and a lot of people have done serious work on trying to improve Wikipedia and make it more of a, a, a primary type resource. But in, in the end, you really need to go back and look at the sources to see where they got the information from, and you'll get an idea of how accurate uh, you can really be with it. Yeah, just remember that, I mean, uh, we talked a lot about this in terms of scientific studies, because that's a, a pretty simple uh, example. But just remember that there are such things as bad studies out there, too. People get people have their studies retracted. I've heard several on the, yes. the you know there have been a few high there profile. There was a very ones. famous one recently that I was very very happy about getting retracted. 
out of the British uh, School of or British Journal of Medicine. Yes, but, but that was a, that. a peer-reviewed journal. Yes, and uh, somebody might have written a paper based on that because it is you know a peer. By the way, peer-reviewed means that other doctors in this case had looked at the research and said, okay, well this article seems sound. Yeah, it it was. They say, well, yeah, experts have looked at it. Hey, it should be right. Right, right. And then occasionally they say, whoops, no, we were wrong. And then and in this then, case, it happened. Yeah, that's what happened in this case. And it, it, that can happen in any kind of sure. scientific journal, Absolutely. not just medical. Um, so critical thinking is necessary to do accurate research on the internet. Yeah, and it sounds like it's a lot of else. It sounds like it's a lot of work, but the the nice thing about this is, even though every individual paper that I ever had to write, I felt like, oh god, I can't believe I have to write another one of these. But ultimately, it taught me to think, and it taught me to really be critical when I was looking at information, mm-hmm. and that's a skill you can use everywhere. Absolutely, That's, and it makes you look good if yeah. you can do this. And it's not just in your academic career, guys, uh, and, and ladies as well. I got chastised in real life for using the term guys in a non-gender specific form. It um, happens. Yeah. But at any rate, this is a skill you can use everywhere. Like Even something as simple as taking your car in to get worked on. That, those critical thinking skills could be the difference between you getting, you know, a, a fifty dollar fix on something and a thousand dollar job that didn't need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just it really does help you separate what is good information from what is bad, mm-hmm. and really we use that all the time. Yeah. And uh, so that was a really good discussion, I think. I hope that Anne-Marie uh, liked that discussion about uh, research. I hope that is useful to um, – I believe Anne-Marie is a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that's useful to your students, and I hope that that pleases you and fellow teachers. Uh, the Internet is a wonderful resource. It is also uh, full of stuff that is not as wonderful. So just use that critical thinking. Use these tips that we gave you, and uh, and, and that will put you on a good start to getting some really strong information. So uh, hopefully that's a good help. Uh, If you have any suggestions for future topics, whether it's in education and technology or just technology in general, you can write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. Tech Stuff HSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash techstuffhsw. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?